I said all that to catch you up and to also explain. So this Sunday for me, typically, uh, when I preach, is, is a dicey one because I don't get a lot of sleep. In fact, this morning, I, I, so I left the house. Uh, this morning was the first night I slept in my own bed, you know, all week. Um, I left the house. I stopped at the gas station to get a much-needed cup of coffee. Um, put it in my car, zoned out, and then as I was getting to the church, I said to myself, I really need some coffee. So I stopped at Tim Hortons <laughs> and bought another cup of coffee, only to discover a cup of coffee already in my cup holder. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, after drinking those cups of coffee. So uh, we'll see. It, it may, hopefully it'll balance out. Um, but as, as uh, Pastor Tori mentioned, um, we are starting a new series on, on Acts this morning. Um, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, we're not going to get very far in Acts, just a couple of verses. Um, just by way of general introduction, Acts is, is a... Is a Find it in the New Testament, it's right after the Gospels. It's written by a, a man named Luke. Luke was a, a doctor. Um, it's the second book in, in a, a series, really. He, he wrote the, the, the Gospel according to Luke. And this is his uh, follow-up to that, as you'll, you'll see in the text when we start to read. Um, you know, it, I, as I was preparing this, this morning, I had, the, I had the thought, you know, um, this has nothing to do with the notes, but I find it interesting that the Lord chose a doctor to uh, be a part of this ministry. Not because doctors are bad, but I have to think, I wonder if he ever like regretted all of the time and effort he spent becoming a medical doctor, um, following around Jesus and Peter and uh, all these people where you know he's got first century medical skills and they're raising people from the dead and growing limbs and, and bringing people back to life and all this stuff. I, 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 I wonder if he sometimes was like, what? That was really kind of a waste. Uh, these guys are doing things we, I can't do. Um, but this is, this is the, the account of the, the birth of the church. That's what Acts is. It's, it's the long form of the title we've given it is Acts of the Apostles. It's, it's the, the launch of this thing that we know of as the church. And one of my hopes for, for this series is that we would, we would rekindle for some of us, and for some of us maybe start in ourselves, uh, a new love for this thing we call the church. Jesus loves the church. He literally died for it. Um, and it is, it's a lot like our families, I think. It's really easy when you're, especially when you're in it, to take it for granted, to only, uh, you know, only see the flaws, to only feel the hurt. Um, and that is all certainly a part of, of church. We are broken people trying to follow a perfect God. And we, we, it, it's messy at times. Um, but I think we can be honest about that and still 
have a genuine, deep, excited, passionate love for this thing that Jesus created called the church. And um, even as, as broken as it is, or, or any negative experiences that we may have in it, um, the only thing worse than church is not church. Right? There's a lot of things in life where you can think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a great thing, it's not a positive thing until it goes away. Right? And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that was, that was actually, the, that actually was holding up all of these other good things in my life that I didn't even, even realize were connected. Jesus' plan for this world is the church. Um, and my hope for this series, my second hope, is that the Lord would clarify for us what that really means. What, we, we sometimes can miss what church really is. We, we, it, it gets murky. It's gotten complicated. Um, today we're going to look at the first part of chapter 1. And, and if I had to sum up this first section and really the early church in general into one word um, it would be the word simple see you know we're all on the internet all all the time and everyone knows who's king of internet searches right it's what google right Um, but they weren't the first to create a search engine there was a number of other ones right AOL and Netscape and <laughs> Yahoo, who's actually still around, believe it or not. Um, but Google took over, and they did it with one difference between them and all the other guys, and it was simply this. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to put, this is a search engine, so we're going to put a little box that you can search in and our name, and that's it. And you compare it to all the other search engines out there at the time when they, when they came out, and there was you know just every possible link to every possible thing you could imagine. There's news and weather and all these things coming at you. And Google took over. Why? Because there's power in simplicity. There's power in focus. I believe Jesus is trying to wake us up to the simple focus of what the church is. And so we're going to start looking at that today. Um, If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them to Acts chapter 1. Um, like I said, we're only going to get through a, a few verses today. Um, well, we'll just start reading. And, and in these first five verses or so, we, we see Luke starts out um, really giving us a good kind of foundation for the basic things that the rest of Acts is going to reinforce of the simplicity of what this church is supposed to be about, what, what Jesus' community was supposed to be focused on. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. 
During the, four, the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to, men, to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So here we have, right off the bat, we have our first, you could say first, second, third, fourth, big underline highlight, whatever you can do to, 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 to make this point the point. We have to be convinced that Jesus is alive. I find it, uh, it's amazing that, that Jesus comes, he, he lives this life, he develops these disciples, he, he comes, he dies, he's risen again, and he still has to prove to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Because it was that incredible a reality. And it was that important a reality. It's the fa- it, we're saying it today, Christ is our firm foundation. The fact that Jesus is alive is, is the corner truth on everything. On everything. If, we can just, if you can just get that one truth and apply it in all of our decisions, in all of our things, you'll mostly always be right. (laughs) You'll mostly always come to the right just with that one thing, that Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, what does that mean for this decision? What does that mean for how I spend my day? What does that mean for where I go for my advice? What does that mean for my priorities in life? He's alive. And He's active in our lives, or at least He wants to be. You know, we talk, it's church, so we talk a lot about faith, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of great definitions of faith. Um, and there's a, just a, a wealth of, of, of teachings we can do and, and things we can to understand all the layers and the nuances of what that is. But, but faith really is, is, is simple in, in a concept. Faith is simply um, making choices based on a belief. So faith is. And so if we're going to put our faith in Jesus, that simply means that our choices are based on the belief that He's alive. That's what faith in Jesus is. And I would submit, though, that, that any part of our life that we aren't living the way Jesus would call us to is a part of our life that Jesus hasn't really come alive in. It's a, it's a part of our life where that truth, that reality, that the person, the living person of Jesus, we haven't, we do not have that faith isn't being applied in that area. But here's the good news. It's, it's, it's amazing. We see it in the text. Jesus makes a priority of proving to the disciples and to us that he is alive. And it's because that's the foundation. So much, well, we'll get into that later. Um, there, but there, this has to be real and applied in every area of our lives. You know, is Jesus alive in, in every relationship that you have? Is he alive in your finances? Is he alive in your thought life? Is he alive in your view of your own future or the country's future? 
when you think of where this country is and where this country is going, regardless of your political leanings or ideas about, about that, when you have those thoughts, is the fact that Jesus is living and active a factor in your, your outlook? Your view of yourself is who you tell yourself you are an accurate reflection of the reality that Jesus is alive? Is it what He would say about you? Your view of others is how you see every person that you come in contact with, be it stranger, family member, friend, boss, coworker, guy who cut you off in traffic. Is the fact that Jesus is alive the filter by which you see those people and interact with those people and treat those people? It's the first foundation. Jesus is alive. And if we continue, we, we see kind of, there's only a couple more that we're gonna, we really have to get to, and then we're going to spend, I don't know how many weeks, just kind of unpacking these. Um, if, if you keep reading the verse, so... He convinces them that he's alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, and here we come to our our next foundation, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John was baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This... This idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is part of what Dad was talking about, about this revolutionary new way that gets instituted in in the early church. And so we see our second foundational principle. And yes, there's the the baptism, but there's something that he, he doesn't tell them, go be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He tells them to go and wait. Because the baptism is his job. And we're we're not gonna have time to unpack what exactly all that is this week we'll get there um but the foundation is and the principle that we have to apply is the waiting because the reality is if we get the waiting right the holy spirit jesus will make sure that that whatever he wants done in your life gets done Teaching is great. I've dedicated my life to it. It's important. It, 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 is, it is, gets us to places quicker than, than if we don't have it. But the reality is, if you just do the simple things that Jesus is asking, if you're just obedient in faith, you'll get there anyway. You'll get there anyway. It's one, one of the things I love about uh, Serve the City, what I, I love about youth ministry in general, is it's, it, more than any other context for ministry or church I've seen, you see examples of God doing things in people's lives before they knew, before the person actually knew it was a thing that happens. You know, there's no context. There's no, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I've heard or I know that, you know, this is what happens in church services or this, when, you know, when God moves in my heart, this is how I'm supposed to act. When, when the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives, when he impacts us, he just, 
He just does it. We don't have to, you don't have to have somebody intellectually tell you every little step. I mean, that's important. It's important that we study and we make sure that we're being grounded in the truth and, and of, of what, what he actually says to make sure that we're not going too far left or right for sure. But the Holy Spirit's the best teacher you'll ever have. And just clarification, that's not me. That's not John MacArthur. That's not Bill Johnson. That's not whoever you look to as, as you know, an authority on Scripture. They're all super valuable, right? It's important that they, they influence our lives. They add to us. But at the end of the day, your relationship with Jesus is about your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to someday be held account to what I've taught. But when you see Jesus, I'm not going to be standing next to you. <laughs> that could be a little... Sorry, I didn't... That, Sounded a little more heavy than I meant, but but it's a reality. It's a reality, and it's a it's a blessing because that's not that's not that wasn't the model all the time. That's not the way it used to be. We got to move on. Uh, whether in our personal lives or as a church community, one of the biggest mistakes we make is not taking the time to wait on the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for You to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for You to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the third principle is kind of a, almost like a warning we see here. We have to fight the, tendon, the temptation to pursue a manageable religion over an out-of-control relationship. Jesus tells them to go wait. I'm, gonna, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now, in fairness, they, don't, they haven't received it yet, so they have no idea what he's talking about. Um, but their, their initial reaction is, is to start pestering him about this, the, the time and the place of when he's coming back. Right? And it's understandable. They're used to the old model of God speaking prophetically over and over and over again to guide and direct His people. This is, this is what we see modeled in the Old Testament over and over and over again, right? The, the, the Jesus coming as the Messiah is like, I don't know, like a lot of the Old Testament. <laughs> it's pointing, it's prophetic. It's all these stories and, and, and words and, and, and prophecies saying, hey, you're looking for this guy, and this is what he's going to look like, and this is where he's going to be, and this is what he's going to do, and all these things. And even with all that, they, all, they missed it, right? <laughs> like, 
He gave them all these signs, and they still didn't recognize him when he showed up. The question they ask is reasonable. Jesus, we need more information. We need more of the plan. Give me directions. Right? That's an, that's an honest thing we can ask of the Lord. And um, it's a reasonable one. Just give me the directions, and then we can do this thing. We really want the information and the plans laid out for us. The problem is that Jesus starting in this book of Acts, completely changes the way he wants to lead and guide us. He's not using the Old Testament model anymore. He's trying to institute something something new. He doesn't get rid of the old, but he's adding to it. It's, it's the difference between triptychs and GPS. <laughs> Who's old enough? Who remembers triptychs? All right, for you, let me translate for you younger folks. Way back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth, there wasn't internet. And so if you wanted to go somewhere far away that you didn't know where to go, you had to go to this building, a real building. It had, it's called AAA. You know, the people that tow your car when you don't put enough gas in it. Um, you have to go there and you tell them where you're where you're going, and they would make for you this like skinny, foldy map thing. And it was a map, and they would highly get out a highlighter, and they'd highlight your route, right? And you took that thing, and then, and that was, and you just flipped the pages, and you always had to have somebody with you that was, because, you, you know, you, you couldn't drive and do that. Um, and it didn't talk to you. Um, <laughs> and so that's how, we, that's how we used to get places. Um, but then this new thing came out, right? And changed navigation forever gps now it's still the directions are the same right the the road didn't change the the path that you need to go on didn't change it's just the delivery method by which you can get the information has shifted Instead of having one set uh, uh, little highlight thing that you have to constantly be going back to to make sure you're on, on course, you, we now have a thing in our car that goes with us that tells us literally mile by mile, you're on the right path. Oh, turn left here. I said turn left here. Hold on. Recalculating. Okay, now turn right. <laughs> right? This is the difference between religion and relationship. And the disciples in this moment, all this pestering Jesus for the times and the place, they're trying to reach back for religion. They're trying to reach back and say, just give me directions. But I think Jesus is stirring in, in, in us, is quit settling for directions. I've got something better. Don't just settle for a manageable religion. Jesus wants to invite the disciples, both then and now, to a relationship that is out of control. Now, to be more specific, um, we say that phrase a lot, right? Things are out of control. Things are, things are a mess. They're out of control. It's not really what we mean if we're honest. It just means what we really mean when we say that is it's out of our control. And we don't like that. And when I say it's an out-of-control relationship, that's what I'm talking about. 
It's not that it's out of anyone's control. It's just a relationship that's out of yours. And we place it back in His hands. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes control. And we now have access for Him to do that in real time. That's what the Holy Spirit, Jesus coming into our lives is all about. That's what being a disciple is. Hearing His voice and following it moment by moment. And that's what we'll see all throughout Acts. Listen, not some great church growth strategy, but amateur Christians devoted to His presence, to His people, and to His mission. That's what the church is. And taking instructions moment by moment. That's what we're going to see. Spoiler alert, that's what we're going to see for however long we're in this thing. I mean, we're going to we'll hit a lot of other things, but, but that's the story of the early church. It's a bunch of, bunch of amateur people that didn't, didn't go to Bible college who just were convinced that Jesus is alive, were filled with the Spirit, and did what He said every day. And we are all sitting here because of it. So to kind of come full circle, um, hey, we already did the altar call for this. You literally have already done this, so we don't have to go there. <laughs> but this is where we're going. And this, is, this will be my, my challenge. So we're not going to do an altar call. I've got to do something, right? Because that's, that's what you've got to do. So. Um, so this is it. You know me. I, I like homework. So... We're gonna do. We're gonna have a homework assignment. Um, I know it's gonna be a real novel one. Um, read the book of Acts. Let's read the book of Acts. Matter of fact, let's 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 make it a challenge. I'll buy pizza to whoever reads the book of Acts. It's going to be a youth. They're the only ones that motivated by pizza. But I will, buy, I will buy pizza for anyone, whoever reads the book of Acts the most times in the next 30 days. And I can do that because nobody, well, I can't even say that because we're going to talk, we're going to be in Acts 6 soon. I was going to say, no one would lie about reading the Bible, but we're about to read a story. We'll get to that. But let's meditate on the book of Acts as we're going through it together. Let us individually really get that, get that in, in us so that, that, that we, we, anytime we meditate on someone, we read scripture, even if in the moment we're not, you know, it's not like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, that aha moment, which happens sometimes. But more often than not, what we're doing is by faith, we're planting stuff inside us that later the Holy Spirit can pull out when he needs to. You know, so a lot of times where I, I 
in studying and devotions, you just, you know, it feels dry. It feels like you're not really doing anything. It's like, it's like working out. You know, when you work out, at the end of a workout, you, don't, you feel weaker than you did when you started. But you're getting stronger, right? I'm looking forward to, to, to what the Lord has for us. Um, so let's just, let's just close. I'm just going to close in a word of prayer uh, of just asking, asking the, the Holy Spirit to just open our, our hearts and our minds for whatever He has for us moving forward over these next number of weeks. Jesus, we thank You. Um, we thank You for speaking this morning. We thank You for uh, inviting us into Your house. God, this is Your house. Holy Spirit, would You... We, by faith, recognize that you want to do a new thing in, in each one of our hearts and with us as a, as a group. Would you just clarify that? God, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you, you do all the work and then you pursue us to convince, you, convince us that you did it. For those of us that still need convincing, if there are areas, those areas in our heart that we, we still, if we're honest, or in reality, whether we're honest or not, that you, you, you're not really alive to us in that, in that area, would you, would you highlight that? Would you begin to convince us? God, as we, we open your word over these next few weeks and look at how you started the church, would you show us the parts that we need to focus on? Would you give us wisdom to see the, the things um, that, that are not essential for us, that are not our assignment, was, but was more descriptive of what, what happened then? God, and would you, as we do, would you fill us with joy and unity as we learn what it, what it really means and we begin to, to, to pursue what being devoted to you and to each other really looks like? We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Happy Sunday. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs>